Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry podcast with me, Philip Heidson, and uh, still celebrating championship chairman and co-owner of uh, Peterborough United, Dara McAnthony. Dara? It's yesterday's news. You know what I mean, it's like, what, what have you done for me lately? You know, there's no celebration. I know, right? Listen, my players, God bless them, they were celebrating still, I think, long into the weekend, even when they beat Doncaster, they rented a pub on the Sunday. Uh, we put five grand up on the bar, so uh, yeah, and listen, well deserved. So, but I mean, for me, since Sunday morning, the day after promotion, I've been working. So that's you know, I'll celebrate when I go to Dubai in June. But right now, I'm I sold a house, I bought a house, I'm renovating a house, I'm moving a house. It's fucking chaos. I'm said to you today, I'm with contractors. I'm back here doing a Zoom call, super fucking agents. Do you know what I mean? Dealing with players' contracts and bringing new players in. It's mayhem. But I said earlier on our on our business um, uh, community area that I posted and stuff that I'm giddy, even though it's exhausting mentally. I'm very giddy, and I, I have a real appetite for work at the moment. Do you know what I mean? So, so, but all good. Um, excited to get into this podcast and talk posh Bradford, fucking yeah. boss, transfers, fucking the whole shebang. Where do we start? Well, you know, you had a nice end of the season uh, with some of the kids playing and uh, Ricky J Jones scoring. Awesome. Do you know what? Um, I, I knew the team a week in advance because when we met recruit, I was like, "Gaff, you know these kids. You got to give some of these." Like, and he was like, "Listen, don't worry that they're all playing." And I said, "Nadler's got to get an appearance off the bench. A sixteen-year-old Portuguese wonder kid." But I think everyone had favoured Doncaster, and I knew, I knew because a lot of those players have got pace and power, and you know, and then you mixed them in with some of the the proper squad pros as well in there. I kind of knew they all had a point to prove because they hadn't played as much. And, and we just fucking, we blew Doncaster away in like 45 minutes. I mean, fucking, we kind of took our foot off the gas. But yeah, Ricky scored his first league goal, 18. You know, uh, Idris scored again. You know, he's at 20. Uh, who else was in there? Fair play to Mo, scored again. Fucking H set up a couple of goals. Ronnie Edwards, fucking Rolls Royce to the centre back for 18. He's just different, different mustard. But it was, um, yeah, and the fact it was Doncaster because we just haven't done well against them. So, you, you, you know, to kind of like on our way to the championship, to put that one right as well. It was nice to, to win. And when you look at the league table, two points, you, you, you know, you realise that I saw one of the whole players said that they had to win 10 of the last 13 games and go unbeaten to pip us to the title. That's how relentless we were, you know. So fair play to them winning the league because, and when you look, we were the best two teams in League One and, you know, the league table doesn't lie. Um, I think they had 27 wins and we had 26 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, we scored 100 odd goals, you know. So, so it, you, you're looking at it that way, and you go. And, and do you know that the scary thing is, Phil? I think we lost our first three competitive games of the season, pal. Yeah, he we was lost. a pretty slow start. We lost our first. Everyone was panicking. Not me. We we lost our first two league games, and we lost the league cup game to Cheltenham. Yeah. So I would say we won one and five at the start. Uh, so to amass 87 league points mm-hmm. after that start, um, yeah, you know, magnificent. yeah, I was, I was thinking about it. You know, you only really had a couple of um patches, and I say patches are like you know, two or three games without a win. That was it, you know, a couple of times throughout the season, and you bounced back from them straight away. Um, and was, you just kept on going. There was one bad moment, and I was in Dubai, it was back in November, and we got embarrassed by a non league team, Chorley. On TV yeah. in the FA Cup, we got beaten by Wimbledon, uh, their place, and we got destroyed by Portsmouth. And it was it was a big moment because I remember the manager played a diamond, 
we completely went away from the three at the back. We went away, you know, we're, we were either three four three or we four two three one. Most people thought it was four four two, but it was actually four two three one. The, the way we, you know, the, the, the formation with the three at three four three. So they were our two main formations, and the gaffer, I'll, I'll say, panicked. He because we hadn't been doing well, he went with a diamond. And the players look so alien to the diamond because, again, during the summer, it was like, these are the two formations, this is what we do. And I remember speaking to him the next day. Now, he was on his way home in the car with Scarfy actually from Portsmouth saying, Gaff, listen, we said in the summer we were going to die on this plate. We were going to pick formations. We were going to recruit to those formations. And we were going to go all or nothing. And I said, you've gone and changed it. And I said, it's backfired badly because the players look like strangers. You know, and I said, don't panic. I know we've had a few sticky results, but we said in the summer, believe in the process, believe in the formation, believe in the recruitment, follow it all the way. And I said, I trust you. So you don't need to be doing things like what we've, what's happened at Portsmouth. And to be fair to the gaff, he, he agreed. And from that day on, he never ever changed from four two three one or three four three. You know, wing backs attack. You know, attacking wing backs kind of thing. And, and that's what that's what got us up. Nothing to do with me. It's the manager. But again, saying like you know, sometimes teams like I'll 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 give you a stat that'll blow your mind. Um, teams who usually do crap in the championship and get relegated. Okay, there's a okay, there's a ninety percent chance you're going to finish relegated or really badly in the championship if you change your formation. Those teams average seven formation changes in a season. Interesting. The ones who do really well stick to two or three set formations you have a probability of 92 percent of being successful for the season whichever you term successful so the moral of the story by data is you know keep it simple stupid and don't panic don't panic don't throw all your your your, your plans out the window you might have a run of three or four games where you're not winning but if you believe in the process if the players have, have trained for that process if you've because recruitment's so key with formations because if you go and recruit a left wing back who plays left wing back and that's the style you're going to play, but they're not really a great left back. And then you suddenly change halfway through to go four, four, two with a left back. And suddenly your recruitment's wrong. Mm -hmm. You recruit a 10 that's going to play off a nine, you know, and whatever else. And you're playing a four, two, three, one. So that 10 can play across to three again, not an out and out striker. So if you go four, four, two, that person becomes irrelevant in the foot. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like yeah. recruitment's very relevant with your manager in the summer to go, what formation are we playing? What do you think? Because we've got to recruit to that formation. Yeah, you get round pegs and square holes otherwise. My favorite side. And I hate that. You know what I mean? So so that for us was, and, and I dare say if you looked at Hull, Hull probably had two formations that played most of the season. And if you then look at other teams who came in and came out of the playoffs and maybe didn't quite make it, you probably find they had five or six formations they toyed with. So again, continuity, I always say in sales and life and everything else, repetition, continuity for everything you do. And our players, listen, I, I can't speak highly enough about them. They've been brilliant for us. You know, like we, we, we had a massive bonus with the payout. And obviously I went to the players and the players all agreed to take it over the three months of the summer. Mm -hmm. And that, was, that showed their character, their love for yeah. the club. You know, they could have kept me to the deal that's like the end of June. And I just said, we've had a horrible 18 months like with COVID, cash flow-wise, no income. Of course, we can find the money, but it's going to put us under more pressure. So I, I went to the players and said, look, lads, I'll put a few grand up in the bar for your final party, but can you at least work with me here and like let me pay you over the summer? We're, we're going to pay you, 
but like we've had no fucking fanning, we've had no income. So, and the players like Beeves, the captain, and all the players, you know, Frankie Kent, senior boys straight away were like, yeah, we'll do that, no problem. So that was nice. That was like, mm-hmm. really good. and I, and if Alan Swan's listening, I don't want him like putting out headlines like, oh, Peter Brown cash flow <laughs> problems or no, it was just, I looked at it on the Sunday after we promoted and went, fuck me, those bonuses are big. They're all due in like six weeks. Maybe I can get the lads to like give me a few months to, 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 to do. Just take one for the team, you know, with everything else that's been going on. Yeah, because your championship money doesn't begin till August. Right. People don't realize that, you know, they think, oh, you've got champion. You know, of course, since we've been promoted every age and every player, it's like smelling championship. And I'm like, no, our principles never change. Of course, we're going to recruit. Of course, we're going to bring in players. Of course, our current players are going to do a little bit better. But we're Peter United. We're not Manchester United. You know, we have a way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, you know, that kind of, you know, well-run club that's prudent. We're not going to go silly. And we would never put our club in jeopardy. And we're not going to just like suddenly everyone's driving fucking Ferraris and Rolls Royces in the car park. It's not going to happen. So people know when they come to us, it's for a reason. It's not to get rich. <laughs> you know how, how you talked about the kids and the kids being a big part of um, of Saturday. And I know you've talked about them throughout the season and some of the expectations and potential that you have in that squad. You know, how does getting promoted, does that change that? Or have you got kids in there that, that can step up with the club? I laughed afterwards because the interviewer said to Darren, you know, BBC said, oh, you know, Ricky J. Jones, phenomenal, Ronnie Edwards, you know, are they going out on loan next year? And Darren's answer straight away was, are you joking? They'll be in the championship. And it, it, I'm telling you now, they could play in the championship. Now, under that, there is a couple of other youngsters who aren't quite ready, who will play in our under-23s and maybe go out on loan. But players like Harrison Burroughs and your Ricky J. Jones uh, and Ronnie Edwards, they're, they're going to play a lot of championship games. Just play fit, God willing. You know, they're, they're ready and, and they love the club. Uh, and, you know, we have another one, Flynn Clark, but I'm not sure he wants to stay. I think him and his, and his representatives want, want to move on. So that's a shame because at 18, he would have played a lot in the championship, you know, you know rivaling Sammy at 10. So, um, you, you know... The one thing we can now give our young players and young gems out there we recruit is we can give them one step in the Premier League proper football. You know, if you want to go and join a Premier League club and play under 21 football or go out on loan to League Two, well, that's your prerogative if mm-hmm. it can be done. But if I were a young player, I know it's Peterborough's where it's happening. Yeah. And, you know, so, oh, God, no, there's like some of those players, Phil, I mean, they're, they're ready. I mean, and they're men. I mean, we, we talk about, like, I was stood next to Ricky and Ronnie at the party after you know, the Lincoln draw and the size of those boys, they're already filling out. I mean, they're like, you know, when I saw them a year ago compared to now, Harrison Burroughs had like a year ago, he was playing at Rotherham getting battered. A year later, he's like coming on against Charlton, a real physical game and winning physical battles because puberty with young men, is different stages, you know what I mean? They go away, they come back over a summer and you wouldn't recognize them. It's the same with my son. You know, he's six foot two now, you know, a year ago, he's like five, seven, five, Mm -hmm. eight, this is what happens with young guys. So, and, and the great spirited thing is, is that they've got great families. They're good boys. They want to play. They're hungry. You know, sitting on the bench, coming off, waiting their chance, waiting their turn. You, you, you know, they haven't been in trouble. They're not problematic. They're good young men. They're not going to be falling out of nightclubs, you know, doing mm-hmm. things. They're very, which is a credit to their parents and their families. They're very, very committed to their profession. And that's very difficult to find particularly the ones who are staying with us, do you know what I mean? Very committed to their profession. And it's very difficult to find in young, young footballers nowadays. 
Well, we're going to, uh, today we're going to go a little bit through the leagues and take a look at what's been going on as seasons are starting to wrap up. But I think a couple of weeks time, we're going to do one last pod for the uh, the season as well, once the, the playoffs are concluded. So what we're going to do to let the fans know, absolutely, we're not going away. We're going to, you know, season one, you can call the 52 episodes or whatever else. So we're going to come out with season two. We will in a couple of weeks do a bit of a retro episode going back on the season, talking about the playoffs, talking about whatever. And then the next episode you will hear will be live from Portugal when I'm out there pre-season with Posh and it'll be season two, you know, which will be championship. So that's that's what we're going to be when we get into the next season and, and we're going to ramp up the podcast and hopefully get a lot more listeners. There's going to be championship football and we're going to have guests on. So just to give an idea to people, don't think we're going away because they're not going to see the pod coming out for a few weeks. It's going to be like probably, what, eight-week break, you know, by the time we're so, uh, which will allow you to do your fucking day job, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and get my passport so I can get on the next plane to Portugal. <laughs> yeah, listen, you're welcome, absolutely. I just need <laughs> welcome. You know what I mean? So, no, that's, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, speaking of Bradford, yeah. let's start right there. So, obviously, I was with contractors at my house and I saw a tweet from you. I, my head was up my ass, so I hadn't been on Sky Sports. And obviously, mm-hmm. I saw your, your joint dream team. You know that you were obviously you know jizzing in your pants about three months ago. We're we're the job. <laughs> football moves quickly, doesn't it? Oh my god, almighty! I saw that at Tranmere. Keith Hill was chopped in the playoffs. Yeah, so let's talk Bradford first. So yeah, right. So first question: right decision? Yes, and I say I, I the only way reason I pause is because I hate the idea of firing and hiring so quickly and we've we've done that for the last two years we've been through five or six managers it's obviously got us nowhere like why is this time going to be different so that's why i have a a little bit of a pause but it is the right decision i think um you know we've the last seven or eight games our season has really been split into thirds so we had the first third of the season where we were just awful and we were second bottom and we had to make a change then we had um mark truman connor sellers came in defied everybody's expectations, went on a fantastic run, you know, got us to the verge of the playoffs with three points off the playoffs with 10 games to go or something like that. So, you know, we basically did the Bolton. And then ironically we played Bolton. I think we drew to them or maybe they beat us. I don't, can't remember now, but the wheels fell off, you know, and we didn't kick on. Right. Um, and the last seven or eight games we've won. Well, we haven't won. We've got one point in the last seven. We've scored two goals in the last seven. Oh, wow. Um, it's been awful football and you know they've talked about changing things up and trying to go more attacking and but they haven't i lost the dressing room obviously to lose eight games yeah dramatic has had to happen in the dressing room you know look if you're bottom of a table all season you lose seven eight games that's not a dressing room issue with the manager but if you're suddenly on a run of 20 games and you won x amount and and, and you win manager of the month and you get managers contracts and you're three points in the playoffs something's happened where there's been a massive chasm, you know, or whatever. So, so have they lost the pressure? Room? You know, from an outsider perspective, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, one of the one of the reasons I say that is, for example, Danny Rowe, the striker that we signed in um, in January, who did really well and was then out of the team for a while and never really found his place back. And three months later, he's deciding to take a contract in non-league. So, you know, you don't go from being kind of the cult hero to taking a step down for a contract in two months without something. Um, what's gone on, I don't know. But, um, you know, the change was pretty dramatic. Ryan, Ryan, we had Ryan on the podcast, great yeah. guy. And, you know, obviously a good time to come on. It was a good time. He was enjoying it. 
He was handling everything really well. Um, how is he at the moment? Is he feeling the flack? Is he under pressure? Is he is, is it coming at him fast and furious? In Ryan's defense, I think most of the most of the fan base understand that it was a really hard decision, and it's probably the right decision. You know, um, I haven't really seen any any pushback from it because the last seven or eight games had got so bad. I think that um, it was. I don't think that a lot of people didn't think he would make the decision. You know, because he was in the position of you know already sacking Stuart McCall, bringing these guys on, extending them, giving them longer contracts. You know, trying to set them up for success and talking about being the long term. Um, it's really hard to go against that and then fire them. Um, so I think there was an expectation that maybe they'd let it ride over the summer, yep. see what happened over the summer. But you know, a belief that maybe we're going to be sat here in October with the same problem again. Well, here's, here's the problem Ryan's going to have now. There's obviously there was questions of you know young guy stepping up and from the position he went from. You know, if he if he gets the next one wrong, yeah, is he under serious pressure? That's my question. For you. Yeah, I mean, I would expect so. As anybody, you know, they're they're judged by. Uh, what happens on the field ultimately um and if the next one is wrong and it goes pretty badly pretty quickly i mean you have a pretty fractured fan base you know you've got a fan base that um uh, you know as we've talked about on the show we've we've got good numbers of supporters we've had a lot of folks in valley parade you've been there when it's been almost full you know um, and seen what an atmosphere it can be And, and a year without football you know you have people saying i don't really know if i want to go back um, so that's the situation that despite being away for a year, some of that passion's gone and they need something to rekindle the passion. Is Derek Adams the guy to rekindle the passion? I, I saw it linked with the job. I mean, let, let's just say first off, the fucking job he's done at more. Oh, yeah. Miraculous. I mean, absolute look, miraculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh God, yeah, yeah, look, there's a lot of good managers who've done incredible things in the Football League, Bomber, Cambridge United, you know, right to the, to the Cheltenham guys, you know. There are some fucking outstanding jobs done. Even Grant McCann winning League One after last year. So you got to give credit to those managers. But what Adams has done with Morecambe, with all due respect to Morecambe, fuck me. It's an amazing job getting them. I mean, we we were played off the park by them on uh, at the weekend. Wow. Um, and he's done a fantastic job. And I mean, on one hand, you want somebody who's a winner. But does he, he get you hard? Does he what? Sorry. He get you hard. Mm, no. <laughs> um, Sorry for being direct. <laughs> yeah. No, because I don't know. I think that one of the things that we struggled with, and it's really down to his like brand of football. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not the most exciting, at least in my experience, it's not the most ex- exciting football. And you know, there's a train of thought that says, well, if you win, does it really matter? And yes, we've been we've had a few years of some pretty poor football and poor results so poor football and or not exciting football to watch and winning will be a, a step in the right direction um i'm not sure what else is out there that um you know where our ambition is in terms of bringing somebody in yeah he's not somebody that excites me i mean and the reason the reason why is i look at gary boyer you know and we brought gary boyer in and gary boyer was um you know, going to be the person that took us back up. And he was doing okay. We were in the playoffs, but he got chased out of town because the football wasn't good enough. Yeah. So I would just worry about the same thing happening that, you know, he gets results, but but people still aren't happy with the product, with the end product. Understood. Well, who knows? Yeah. It's, look, that that's big now, you know, because I'm not sure how much longer Bradford fans want to hang around later. 
So that is that is a massive, massive summer coming up. Yeah, it's and it's hard because the last time we were down in the basement, you know, we we g'd up the fan base by bringing Stuart McCall in for the first time, you know, bringing the club legend in by doing the hundred and fifty pound season tickets, yeah. like getting bums on seats, um, you know, and we've used all those tricks, um, yeah. you know, and and that kind of sustained things until we started going back up in the right direction again. Yeah. Um, you know, the longer that we, you look at teams like Bolton who drop down and they figure it out when they go back up again. Yeah. It's like our ambition. I, I don't think we have, a, as a fan base, we have a, a big enough ambition. Okay. You know, and it's almost like we're accept. while we're not happy, we're, we're accepting our place and we're accepting, oh, we're just going to get another journeyman manager. It's back to promotions you need at, at Bradford. Mm-hmm. I, I said this the other day, I was on my BBC Five podcast, I do. And they said to me about Salford, and I'd say the same. They said, you know, what, what would you, what would you? Because I was speaking to Gary Neville a couple of weeks ago about club ownership and stuff, and he was congratulating me on promotion. And they were like, well, what would you say to Salford? And I would go, look, how desperate are you for success? Because sometimes it gets to that time where you make a decision, like you know, you, you sacrifice other things just to get out of where the fuck you are. Yeah. So if I said to you guys, look, I got someone for you. But you're not going to like it. It's mm-hmm. going to be messy, but he'll win you back-to-back promotions. What would you say? I'd take it. Right. So my advice, like I said about Salford, is, and if he became available in the summer, hire Steve Evans. Mm-hmm. He would win back-to-back promotions with his eyes shut at Bradford. It's funny, you know, he has such a reputation with City fans. I, I know he's I know you guys reported him. I know there's a lot of crap. I know all of that. Football's got short memories when there's success on the line. And I said, that if Salford went and got him, they'd be in the championship within two years, three years max. You know, if Bradford got him, because of the size of the club and the way he manages and his assistants, it would be fierce to go to Valley Parade with him there. No team would want to visit. And I would almost put my left testicle that you would win promotion first year easily, mm-hmm. no problem League Two. And in League One, you'd be top six. I mean, fuck me. He's taking Gillingham nearly to the playoffs. Yeah. I, I know what his kind of budget was and what he had to do in there. And look, I still talk to Steve all the time. And, you know, yeah, it didn't work for me. And I got rid of him was sixth with us. But as I said, what price would you pay as a fan? You know, if someone walked in and said, look, it might be someone you're going to like. It's not your cup of tea, but you're going to be in the championship within 30 months. You, you know, after all the years and the shit you've put up with, you know, could you go, well, actually, we could learn to love this guy. Because Rotherham fans did. Do you know what I mean? And you got to remember, he's a guy. He never got relegated for the championship. He left Rotherham now in a really good fucking place. And and pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's always done well. And, he, he, you know, I have to give him credit. Him and Paul Rayner, as much as they're not everyone's cup of tea, and they can wind, he wound me up when they won 1-0 in our place. <laughs> I had to pull my manager because my manager lost his cup. And I said, you're letting them do what they want to do. That's the MO. That's, I've never seen my manager and the assistant manager lose their fucking shit. And I, I'd spoken to the gaffer before again, don't lose your shit. But that's what they do. But it works. And, and if you ignore all the history, hysterics and all the crap that goes with them, they're actually fucking really good coaches. They're really good like management team. They're really good at getting results. They come to our place. We lost twice all season and they frustrated us, beat us 1-0. We had 20 fucking shots. But they stopped us winning the title. You know, because... And if you look at their record against the top six in League One, they're fucking really good. And that's not by accident, by the way. That's good management. So all I'm saying with a Rotherham or, or sorry, with a Salford or with a Bradford, 
you know, you want to get out of those leagues. You want to get back to the champ. Fucking pay them out. Because the one thing you're going to have to do with Steve Evans is you ain't getting them cheap. You know, so what would you do? You walk into uh, you walk into Bradford and you've got 12 months to get out of League Two. If I if I was in League Two, I would tell the players, I would tell the fans, and I would say, look, everyone loves champagne football, and we all want to play Pep Guardiola football. And my manager plays a nice brand of football, but we're going to have to mix it up. We're in the fucking basement here, and we need to get going, and we need momentum. This football club needs momentum, and momentum means winning promotion. Then you're in League One. Now you're one step from the champ. And my overall target is I need to get Bradford in the championship within minimum three, four years. Hopefully back-to-back, but within four years, otherwise I'm a failure. With a club that's as the crowd and everything else, that's where I want them. So we're going to bring Steve in if that's the way we're going. And I'm very, very confident that he's going to win us promotion, probably two of them, and mm-hmm. get us back to the championship. Now, I'm asking the fans, swallow all the crap that's gone on before. Trust the process. Trust that I know what I'm fucking doing when I make a decision like that and give me that time to do it. Do you know what I mean? So so that would be me. I'm Look, I, I'd probably piss off every Bradford fan. And Bradford <laughs> fan you know what I mean? But I'm that guy who's thick-skinned enough that I believe in I need to win. I need to win now. I don't have three years in League Two to fucking get this club up and running. That's not why I bought it. So I got to go right now. Do you know what I mean? And, and the best person to go right now to get out of this fucking league is Steve, you know, or, or someone else, as an example. So I, I'd be pretty ruthless, and I would, I would, my newness would buy me time with the fan base. Do you know what I mean? And, and that would, yeah, be- you get some kind of trust just to, uh, um, just so the honeymoon period, so to say. Correct, absolutely. Look, look. If I had Bradford, my first phone call would be Darren Ferguson, of course. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's like listen. The referee yeah, tells you to go, go yeah, do yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would because obviously, he's, you know, he's got a nice, nice home there. Peter were very settled, but if he weren't in a job and I was there, and if all of that happened in the world, if we were talking about like sliding doors moments, of course, mm-hmm. you know, if my partners decided to throw me out, bought me out, and got rid of me, you know, and I went and bought a Bradford, I'd be like, listen, I'm fucking Darren Ferguson's coming. I'd probably have Baz out of semi-retirement to still do a bit of work for me. And I, and I would bring that to the parties, you know what I mean? Because, you know, successful people don't really navigate and change from what works for them, you know what I mean? So, so not that I'm trying to say I'm a successful person, but having one promotions, you know what I mean, and whatever else, you go, right, it's a formula. You've got a process. And a process. So, yeah. So so that, that's that's my thing. Anyway, enough about posh. Yeah. What, so about, t- what about Keith Hill? Yeah, what about Keith Hill? Yeah, look, I know Nicola... Um, I speak to Nicola Panios on, on, on Twitter and stuff, and we were speaking the other day. She was congratulating us, and I was wishing her well for the playoffs because, you know, what happened last year is very unjust, and I, I'd like to see Tranmere promoted. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. I, I know the fans were unhappy. I know things didn't go well the last 10, 15 games. I mean, they dumped us out of the fucking the, the EFL Cup, and, you know, and at that point, I didn't see that happening. Um, I always thought Keith Hill was a good manager. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's been a fallout between him and the hierarchy. Um, I guess the owners believed there was no way they were going to win those playoffs. So, you know, the camp must, there must have been something stinking in the camp for that. Yeah, I watched, um, so um, somebody that I'm connected um, with who's a Tranmere fan does a podcast on Tranmere. Yep. Uh, you know, um, Matty, I saw him post something about um, an interview that he did after the game, Keith Hill did after the game on Saturday, and it being kind of a crazy interview. So I went and watched that. And you could, you know, it was kind of trying to deflect blame everywhere. And I mean, it just looked like one of those moments where the time's up. When managers pull that, and, I, you know, other managers do that to me, when you start to 
call down, you start blaming higher up, or you start blaming, I didn't get my players. I've always said this to young managers, you know, toe the line, don't do that to yourself. It's not going to end well. So, look, I know this, Mark and, and Nicola run a good football club, and they wouldn't do anything to endanger that football club. So they've made the, the right decision for their football club, and they're probably going to get a lot of flack, but they've done it, obviously, for the right reasons. So you have to trust them, and I think the Tranmere fans trust them. Yeah, I think they were on a really bad run. Um, and and the guys that they brought back in were the caretakers before Keith Hill came in and, and did well for them. So, you know, I hope that they can get them over the uh, um, over the edge, so to speak. Yeah. Um, we have, so, we have a lot of things to talk about across the leagues. And I know that time is... Um, Let's uh, do it. Time's running out, so I'm wondering if we we focus on most of that next time when we do a season recap, because we've also got a ton of questions um, that we got in from uh, from listeners over the past week or two. Give me give me the biggest point across the leagues you want to discuss now, and the rest we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. All right, let let's go um, let's go into the Premier League then, and let's uh, have a look at those. So, um, Man City, can they? Uh, can they win everything? Absolutely. Mm. It's fu- funny. I had Farron Soriano send me a nice letter. Um, you know, promotion. That was beautiful. You know, it was lovely to see that. You know, obviously, ex-Barcelona. We're in Man City. So, I, I liaised on email with him. And that was a nice moment. You know, because he sent this letter. And it was like, you know, addressed by Dara. You know, I just want to congratulate you on everything you've been through to, to, to get promoted. Those little things are nice. You know, I had um, the Bristol Rovers owner. Fair play. They were relegated. He messaged me. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Hatton at, at Portsmouth. No one else really, you know, ownership in League One messaged me, but they were they were the oh, and, and in fairness, Calvin at, at Northampton, who got relegated, fair play, you know, again. And, and you know, my partner took some stick for congratulating Cambridge and coming up. Mm-hmm. They're like the mortal enemies. The way I look at it is this I want Cambridge and Northampton to do well because it's good for our region geographically. We want that to be a football hotbed. So, you know, would I like Northampton and Cambridge in the championship with us? Hell yeah. You know, I think it's good. Keep my bums on seats as well. Yeah, I think it's good for business. I think rivalries like that are great. You know, would Liverpool want Everton in the championship or would they want to play them twice a year? I know what I'd want, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, I, I was disappointed for Calvin because I like the people behind Northampton. Um, fair play to, you know, Mark Bonner at what he's done at Cambridge United. Um, I wasn't going to put that on social media because I saw the stick my part around you. Yeah, you knew what was coming. You've been around a little bit longer. But I wanted to explain on the podcast why, you know, I think it's healthy those clubs doing well. You know, and I want them to do well. I want like Cambridgeshire and the surrounding area to be a hotbed for football talent. So, you know, I think it's good for business for Posh having those nearby. So I, I would always but it was nice, it was nice, as I said, to hear from Bristol, from Northampton, you know, to hear from the Portsmouth guy. You know, everyone else, you know, didn't reach out and go fuck themselves. You know, nah, I'm talking about <laughs> That's fine. But, um, yeah, so, so Premier League, Man City, absolutely. Best team. Um, phenomenal. Obviously, you know, the FA Cup, they can't do because of Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea could stop them in the final. I think they're going to be unstoppable in the final. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised that, you know, I know Tuchel will have a plan. I think Man City could run all over them in that final. But, you know, they've won the league early enough. You know, and now they can really start preparing for that Champions League final. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to league, no to the Championship and Derby. Um, I don't know if you saw the last weekend. Um, my man, no, I speak to Curtis Davis, my man. Before he's on my Five Live podcast, he's mm-hmm. like the player, I'm the chairman, and we were messaging obviously before. 
I was really happy to see him because he'd been injured. He came off the bench. He played a part in keeping them up. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, really, really happy, you know, from that perspective, because I know obviously a couple of the players. Yeah, it was a, I watched, I went backwards and forwards between the Sheffield Wednesday game and the Derby game. Sorry, the Sheffield Wednesday game and the um, the Rotherham game. I think Rotherham were very unlucky, Phil. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if Rotherham had a goal scorer, I mean, you know, I watched Rotherham probably three out of the last six games I watched, mm-hmm. uh, just by chance in England. And physically, as we know, they would be strong team. If they had a goal scorer, I think Rotherham would have had a good fucking season. Now, a lot of fans want me to like, oh, you know, laugh at the fact Rotherham and Wickham have come down and we've gone up. And I, I've got tweets got hammered by Wickham and Rotherham fans last year when I didn't like the vote. And, you know, a bunch of wet wipes coming at me, some of them, do you know what I mean? But that I have no animosity towards Rotherham or Wickham. I, you know, I've suffered relegation. I don't want to see any club fucking relegated. Um, but, and, and I like Tony Stewart, the owner of Rotherham, quite well. And um, I, I really thought they were fucking unlucky. Honest to God, if you watch their last seven, eight games, they created a shitload of fucking chances. If they'd had a goal scorer, they would have been a fucking good team. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, interesting. But Yeah, yeah and just a couple of minutes to go from the end of that one. And, oh, yeah. been there. Been there. Felt yeah. it. Been there. But I know what Rotherham are like. I know what Tony's like. He, he, he'll probably back that manager. They'll build again, and they'll be one of the top four or five teams in League One next year. Even though it's a tough league, they'll be up there. Now, what do you make about Derby and the EFL action? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's next season. I don't think they should be doing it this season. I, you know, to relegate them now after all of that and everything that's gone on. I know that the Derby owner wasn't well at some stage. They've been ownership takeover problems that have fallen through. I don't think the EFL need to be punishing their fan base. Um, you know, Wickham fans won't like me saying that, but again, I don't like I don't like things happening on votes. I don't like things happening on deducted points. I think you should earn promotions 46 games. I think you should earn your stay in the championship based on 46 games. They always say the league table never lies. Um, you know, so for Derby to be relegated and then another team take their place, I don't like that, um, you know, which is the obvious answer. Um, so I hope that doesn't go that way. And I hope Derby fight that and, and that doesn't happen. Um, so let's go into League One. Um managerial appointment of the season and the suggestion from uh, uh, producer Henry, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and the job that he did at Burton. Oh, oh yeah, I love Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's obviously, you know, I know him and whatever else. And what a job he did at Burton. I mean, they were fucking dead and buried. I, I would have to say, you know, between him, the Wimbledon Academy manager who stepped up, um, the Wigan manager, again, who stepped up, you know, everything Wigan about, because they could have gone the way of Bolton, uh, you know, down to League Two. So, it would be really tough to choose between maybe them three, um, you know, for the job that was done. Um, but in, in saying that, I think they gave manager of the year to Grant McCann and somebody, one of my gems that I made a manager um, and played a part in. So look, I'm going to congratulate, I texted him, congratulations on winning the title. When he lost, when he lost 15 games out of 17 at the end of last season, everyone thought that would be the end of him. But Grant's built differently. He's, he's hardcore. I knew that wouldn't stop him. So, you know, I think he probably deserves manager of the year for exceptional work. Those three I mentioned, phenomenal job they've done to keep their clubs like where they are and, and what they've done. Yeah, wow, Burton, Jesus. They beat us. They're lucky to fucking beat us, but they beat us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now it doesn't matter how lucky they were, they got the points. 100%. That's just the way it goes, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, now it's, um, 
I'm really looking forward to watching the playoffs. Yeah, so what we got, we got um, Sunderland. Um, Portsmouth missed out, didn't they? Got it. See, uh, got it. Yeah. Portsmouth, you know, they, they, they voted to play last year, even when they were already in. I mean, you know, so I, I was gutted they missed out. And that was Oxford that pipped them on the last day, was it? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, they lost to Akron and Stanley Portsmouth. Yeah. And, and Oxford pipped them, so I was gutted for Portsmouth, if I'm honest. So where's your money for a playoff winner? My wife asked me last night we were having a drink, and I said, thank fuck we're not in the playoffs. Although mm. I don't know Fucking, I described it to her. I said, Blackpool had our number twice. They've got a really, really good coach. We've got better players, in my opinion. Um, the league showed that. But for whatever reason, their coach, he had our number. And, you know, uh, really, really tough. Sunderland is Sunderland. Fucking Goliath of a club. Um, Lincoln, you know, the, the job Appy's done there. Michael Appleton, fucking unbelievable. And then Oxford are just like Peterborough 10 years ago. You know, you score two, we'll score three. Mm-hmm. We'll down, we win three, two. Free scoring. Uh, I, I mean, Phil, I could not tell you who the fuck's going to win the playoffs. And Oxford, I mean, it was a fantastic job from being, I mean, they were languishing, uh, not just the first couple of games of the season, weren't yes. they? The first play uh, 10 or so. I would argue there he had a better squad and they should have done better than languishing. They shouldn't have needed to go in at the last minute. But in fairness, he got them in. And that, you know, that would have been his job. Um, so, but again, a dangerous team can score goals. I mean, I, Jesus, I mean, Charlton just missed out. You know, Portsmouth just missed out. It was such a fucking melee going into the final weeks. Um, I really couldn't pick it. Who would you pick? Oh, um, Lincoln. I would like Lincoln to do it. Fair play. Um, I mean, for the same reason that you talked about, you know, it's, they've all got something different. Um, I think there's more pressure on Sunderland because there's more pressure of them missing out. But for Lincoln, you know, is this their one opportunity? And after this season, does it become harder? I'm not sure that can they do it again? Yeah, I, I mean, next, no, nobody, I, I would not like to have been in League One next year. Yeah. You got Ipswich resurgent for money. You got Portsmouth will come back with a vengeance and want to spend, you know, with the carry stay or not. You, you've got Sunderland, if they're still down there, they've got a billionaire owner. You got Sheffield Wednesday coming down. You got Rotherham Rule, who's going to be experienced and strong. Mm-hmm. You got Bolton on the right. other up from League Two. Um, you've already got a load of clubs that are ex Premier League in League One. I mean, that is a fucking league. You know, I haven't even mentioned Charlton. You know, that is Blackpool have got a wealthy owner. That is a tough, tough league. Thank fuck this was the year to get out of that league. <laughs> well, League Two, we talked about uh, obviously what's going on with City. We talked about Keith Hill. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts about this um, um, South End and uh, Grimsby talking about uh, taking legal action to try and stay up in League Two, if you saw about that. No, what's going on? Yes, so their position was, uh, if the National League aren't relegating anybody, then the EFL shouldn't relegate anybody either. Uh, Enough already, guys. You've had your 46 games, you went down, take it like a man. Take it like a fucking man. I'm fed up with this shit. I'm fed up with people stealing promotions and fucking, you know, whatever else, and votes, and I've said this. I don't hear about votes. I don't hear about legal shit. Take your fucking relegation. You know, man up and come back. And, and you know, that, that's fucking wrong. You know, if somebody wins, I think Torquay were like winning the National League or whatever up there. Huh? Yeah, Torquay and Sutton, I think, yeah. are the two that are up. Steal, you know, their promotion from them, you know, with that fucking shenanigans. No fucking way. I, I, no, I wouldn't be happy with that. You know, as much as Southend are a massive football club and shouldn't be non-league, take your medicine. They're, they lost the games and so they're in non-league. I mean, it's the same as anyone. Like, stop. 
like just enough already you know what i mean you know we've played 46 games all right we got a bunch of questions that came in so let's take a quick break and we'll come back with listener questions hey everybody welcome back to the pod so we have some questions coming in uh let me go straight into them the first one is from james who's a sheffield wednesday fan james says um I appreciate the last thing you want to talk about is League One after Peterborough's promotion. Um, I don't. I think you talk about any football all day long, so I don't think you have to worry about that. He's wondering about if there's any tips that you can give on the best way for Sheffield Wednesday to bounce back out of the league this season. You know, is Darren Moore the right man? Oh yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah and should they start to sell some assets? I think if Darren Moore hadn't got ill with COVID, I think Sheffield Wednesday would have stayed up. Yeah, I, I, I do rate him as a manager. I think he's a brilliant manager. And I think what he's really good at is he's really good at getting good loans from Premier League clubs. He did it with Doncaster and they were, they were fucking flying. And so my, my, my tip would be don't interfere. Leave him to do what he's good at. Mm-hmm. Give him the support to recruit. And, you know, if I were the ownership, I'm saying Sheffield Wednesday, the fans will be back. They're going to be a monstrous club in League One. Um, I'm sure they've got some strength still there. Hopefully they can let go of lots of people who are out of contract who are on silly championship wages. Yeah. So if you get an opportunity to clear the decks, freshen things up, you've got a fresh new manager. Um, I'm pretty certain they're going to be one of the three teams promoted out of League One mm-hmm. next year. So look, Sheffield Wednesday, they're, they're a Premier League club, you know, and everything there. Um, don't be surprised that they have a hell of a season. You know, it's, they're, they're going to be challenging to win the league. Yeah, and James says they've a host of out-of-contract players, so they've only got 12 senior players. Good news, good news, good news. Because if you go down with 20 players that are all contracted and on big wages and whatever, it's a messy summer. If you go down with 10, 12, get rid of three or four, then you can go out and recruit 12, 13 new players. You can can reset everything. So that means they're in really good shape. I I fancy they're hearing that, that they've only got that amount of contracted players. Now, if, if you're in that situation, do you, because we talked about before your philosophy on contract length, mm-hmm. you know, should Sheffield be Wednesday be going and giving out one-year contracts or maybe two just to try and get them back up again? Or Well, what, what they should do now is it depends on the recruitment strategy. You know, is, is it, do we need to go out and get experienced players to get back up? Well, then it's one-year deals. Are we going to rebuild with some youth? Are we going to have some gems? Are we going to have a little bit of flair? Are we going to invest transfer fees? Everything is, is depending on what kind of player you're recruiting. You wouldn't go and spend 300 grand on a player and give them a one-year deal. Right. You know what I mean? Now, you know, there might be a couple of players they want to keep, Jordan Rhodes or whatever, or, you know, okay, he's older, we'll give him a one-year deal with an option, maybe he does well, you know, whatever it might be. So, look, they can have a reset. I think they're going to be in really good shape. Uh, we have a question from, um, let's see, from Neil, who's a posh fan. He says, I have a question about add-ons for when a player is transferred. So if a player gets transferred again, do the add-ons carry over to his new club um, or are they basically done when that transfer takes place? Yeah, you the know? only add-ons to sell on. So say Ivan Tony is an example, he gets sold. We'll get paid a sell-on and then we pay Newcastle a sell-on. If Ivan Tony then goes again and Real Madrid come in and pay 100 million, that club who bought him from Brentford would get a sell-on, Brentford would get a sell-on, we would get a sell-on, Newcastle would get a sell-on. But your margins become smaller the more diluted the player becomes okay. move along. So, so yes, but other add-ons wouldn't count, like England caps or appearances or goal scored. No, that stops the minute he leaves Brentford. Uh, it's interesting to hear, though, that they, the percentage sell-on, while diluted, 
doesn't just leave with the deal. Unless Brentford did a deal where they sold him without a sell-off, then it would stop. Okay. But no club would do that. So let's say Brentford sold him for 40 million. Great, sell him. Let's say Chelsea bought him for 40 million. Let's say Chelsea then sold him to Real Madrid for 100 million. As long as Chelsea have a sell-on and Brentford have a sell-on and whatever else, it carries on. If at some stage a player is bought and there's no sell-on, then the whole thing stops. Now, would you, uh, or, or do clubs buy out the sell-on, so to speak? So say, we're going to give you 100 grand today to make that sell-on go away. I've done it. I've bought sell-ons out over the years. I gave advice to Pete Winkerman many years ago to go to Tottenham and asked him if they wanted to buy the Deli Alley sell-on out. And he was like, you can do that. And I'm like, damn right. So if, at the time, Deli Alley was like, you know, would it be worth 100 million? Say they were due 20%, that's 20 million. So I said, ring Daniel Levy and say, look, give us six or seven mil now. Yeah. And we'll call it quits. You know, we need the cash. You know what I mean? So the, the, within football, you can negotiate on so many different things. And I've done, I've done so many little things here and there that will benefit us or maybe so at some stage we need help with something so we might do this or do that so yeah all can be done we have a question from danny danny says we don't hear so much about women entering football as coaches and managers sure. emma hayes is doing an outstanding job in the world of football can you see a female coaching one of the 92 anytime soon soon no um over time probably you know mm-hmm. we're in a world now where everything's changing you know, a little bit too much. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about women's football or women's management. I'm talking about, you know, the woke shite we're dealing with in America and the virtues we're dealing with. But she's a phenomenal, phenomenal manager and coach. She's almost like Sir Alex Ferguson, like in the female world. So you've got men going in there and coaching in the female world. I would, I would expect it to happen the other way. Um, I see no reason for it. You're seeing women in the NFL now. You know, you're seeing referees who are women who are very good at their job. Um, I think it will take time to catch on. Some of the players as well, the respect levels and everything else, it's very different. But I think when one breaks the back of it, more will follow. It's like everything else in life, I guess. You start seeing precedence, and then it just opens up. You need a trailblazer. I'll be honest, Emma at Chelsea, I know she was linked with jobs, but she'd be getting paid a lot more money to stay at Chelsea than she would at the League One club. Right. It would be a drop down for someone as good as her, with all due respect to League One, to go to a League One football club. If for that. Do you know what I mean? So she's managing one of the biggest clubs in, in women's football. So, you know, why would you want to leave that and go and earn half the fucking money in League One? You know, with, with all the crap that will come with it with the star. Makes no sense. So, uh, listen, she, she's the best at what she does. She decides to move. I'm, I'm sure she, if she wanted to, she would break into men's football. Um, now, a question from Zach. Zach uh, asks, so do you think that Peterborough are in a better place as a squad to face the championship this season than you would have been if you'd have gone up last season? Um, no. I think last season, you know, recruitment's been really good for two years and it's pretty much the same batch of players. We'd probably be better now with the younger players a year older so they were helping out the squad. Um, but I'm not one of those people who people say, oh, it's too early for you to get promoted. Fuck that. It's, ne- it's never too early to get promoted. Take it if it's there. You, you take it and you reassess and you, you, you do your best to, to thrive. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in good shape. We've got a lot of really, really promising young players. We've got some really, really good club players, you know, football league experience. They'll step up. Some might not step up. That's the way football goes. But I would expect the mass majority we're keeping will definitely step up. And this week, this week we've released, I think, six. There's four gone on the list. This is what happens. The squad gets a little bit refreshed. But the spine of the team strong. And now we're going out to the squad. So, you know, look, that's down to me now. And the job I do with Baz. 
um, with, with, the, with the backing of my partners. And we'll do our best now to put together a really competitive squad. We want to thrive, you know, not survive. We want to thrive. And, and we don't want to look over our shoulder. And, you know, we want to, we want to establish ourselves as a proper championship club. You know, anything to say about, so you 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 um, published your retained list and your release list and a few players that you put up for transfer. Anything to say about kind of who you're keeping, who you're letting move on? And Yeah, we, we, you know, Louis Reed obviously has been brilliant for us. Um, you know, um, we had a couple of good League Two clubs try and sign him in January and, you know, argue with me over wages and one of them missed out in the playoffs and he would have definitely guaranteed them automatic promotion, in my opinion. I think he... You know, he was unlucky. We had partnerships going on. He didn't get to play. But the one thing I can give Louis is when he did play, he was brilliant for us. I think he will have a career in the championship eventually. Yeah. He might have to go to a League One club and then come back up. But, you know, he will have a career. And um, Fraser Ray Tracy, he had injuries, he had issues. But when he played for us, brilliant. Never let us down. Um, Sirhat Tazdemer, really good young player I invested in a couple of years ago. Hasn't quite happened. He, I think geographically he needs to move near home, but he'll come again because he's too talented not to come again. You know, Mo Isa, we paid a million pounds for him. People slaughtered me yesterday. Some of them said, oh, he's only scored two goals. No, he, he started fuck all games. If Mo Isa, you know, if you look at his career at Posh, he's probably got 20 league goals and 45 starts. Mm -hmm. And because we played a certain style, like I said earlier, where it was one up front in a 4 2 3 1 or 4 or 3 4 3, where it was one striker and then a nippy winger and Dembele and Schmodix. You know, Isa was the victim of not being able to get into our team. But Mo Isa, put it this way, if a Portsmouth, if a Charlton, if an Ipswich, say Sunderland were still in League One, if one of those four clubs signed Mo Isa, you nailed on very close to automatic promotion because he will score 25 league goals in one of those teams. But unfortunately, they're going to have to pay me for that. And I'm not selling him here. I'm not desperate to promote him right now on the channel. I, you know, I don't need to desperately promote him. I just know what his age, the way he plays, he will score. There's a reason Darren McAnthony went out and spent the money I did in Moisa. And in year one, which was only 18 months ago, he had a great partnership with Ivan Tony, where he, he nearly scored 20 league goals. If we got promoted last year, he would have played a big part in that. So, you, you know, he is, and he's a great lad, and he's, he's good to go. You know what I mean? And, and he's not he's not greed-driven. He wants to play and score goals. So anyone with their head screwed on, you always have a price to pay to get promoted. People want to know, yeah, you want promotion or whatever. I put my money in my mouth, is my partner's money in mine. And I went out and I spent 1.2 million on Clark Harris. So I spent whatever else. If you want to get out of League One, you're going to need a goal scorer. Do you know what I mean? So Mo Ice is a goal scorer. And any, you know, MK Dons were desperate to sign Mo Issa. And I always said if they'd signed him in May, they probably, the brand of football they play on a Russell Martin, phenomenal football, but they were lacking a goal scorer at times. I know Will Grigg at the end and score goals, but if they'd stumped up the money, they probably would have been in the playoffs and, and maybe even further. And, but they didn't want to spend that transfer fee. You know, they wanted obviously to do a loan or they wanted to do whatever. And, and Pete won't mind me saying that at NK, but that's who their manager wanted. And again, my advice would be throw them in the mix with some of the teams. If you want promotion, strikers aren't cheap. Um, and, and Ryan Broom, I think, just a victim of... Uh, yes, Ryan's Ross, a great lad. Look, we were told Sammy wouldn't come. We were told Bristol wouldn't sell. The manager wanted Ryan Broom. I went and got him Ryan Broom. 
I then didn't give up on Sammy. And I spent four weeks pretty much undercover, nonstop working on Sammy Schmonics. And I got Sammy Schmonics. And then the manager was like, fuck. You know, we got Flynn Clark, one of our youngsters. We got Sammy and we got Ryan Broom. So he tried to play him a right wing back. He tried to change, you know, you've meant to be a 10. And Ryan was a victim of that. And I'm sorry that happened. He went out to Burton. A lot of clubs were in for Ryan. Um, and they'll be in for him again in the summer. You know, we paid a fee for him. You know, a big club in League One's already contacted me. The usual, can we take a loan? No. You know, we paid, I think we paid like 140 grand or whatever for him. You know, you want him. He's a very good League One player. He's a player that will get 10 goals, 7, 8 assists. They're not cheap. And he's still young. So, if you want him, he's available. Great lad. Never given us a moment's trouble. And now we've got to sell him to a club who will give him a good career in League One. All right, I got a last question from Pete, and I think Pete may have been asking you this before. Pete's in the US and asks, uh, is there ever been or will there be plans for Posh to tour the US in preseason? We were going to do it this season. It was always our plan with promotion to come to the US to the champ. And because of COVID, we can't make it happen. So, God willing, next summer, we want to do the U. I want to do like Boston, New York, you know, kind of a tour, two weeks play three teams from the USL or the MLS, depending on the time that it can happen. Like I'm, I'm really, we might have to maybe take New York off the list because it's turned into a fleet a crime-ridden place. Do you know what I mean? Whatever else. So I wouldn't want to endanger my players. Um, maybe I'll have to pick some red states, Phil. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. The, the Alabama tar is on. Hey, listen, maybe I'll have to pick those. You know what I mean? At least we'll know their freedom. That, you know, they, hey, they'll be well policed. They won't be defunded. You know, so yeah. So I'm going to have to maybe change the tour plan. Yeah. They won't need to wear their masks. Everyone will be good to go. Oh, look, it's like freedom, baby. So, uh, you know, hey, and our gas stations love petrol. So, you know, it's, 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 we'll have to, we'll have to wait. about that. I know, yeah, I know. So, what, what we, yeah, so that, that is the plan. Great question. I so wanted to do it this summer. Couldn't do it because of COVID and the last minute stuff. It's going to happen next year. My partners want it to happen. My manager wants it to happen. And um, yeah, really looking forward to it. And I think we're also in January, we're going to Dubai on a five-day uh, pre-season winter uh, trip as well. I've kind of penned because, you know, we've got international breaks this time. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. You come out of Christmas, cold, shitty pitches, hard pitches, get the players away for a bit of a mid-season break, uh, you know, five days, refresh and go on the run-in. So that's how I've planned out already. You know, Portugal in July, I think we're possibly playing Newcastle, we're talking to at the moment about playing mm-hmm. out in Portugal. So we're going to have a couple of games in Portugal, January, a little tour out to Dubai for four or five days. So yeah, all good. All right. The budgets, the, the travel budgets are increasing. The travel right? budget's gone up. But listen, we're, we're putting 10 people to a room, so we're trying to keep it tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like that, you know? So, But listen, everyone, thank you for listening. And, you know, go to hardtruthbusiness.com. That's our business pod that we're doing now after this. People pay, I think, £12 a month. They get, you know, to listen to that every week. They get, you know, we obviously do... Um, we have the website where you can ask questions every day and I liaise with people. It's money well spent. So go to hardtruthbusiness.com and subscribe now. Yep, and we'll be back one last time after the playoffs for a season wrap-up. See you later, guys. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.